So what we're going to do now is programming for youth audiences, something I think is close to hopefully everyone in this room's heart at the moment. We're going to start with Grant Nash from 5FM, uh, followed by Steve Martin from BBC. Please leave your questions till the end. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Um, I've got to say that I, first of all, I feel like Brittany with this thing. Doesn't she perform with this thing? Really cool. Um, <laughs> the, we were looking at some of the really cool... Uh, playlisting and music sessions that are going to happen. And there's some really good stuff out there. Specifically, um, I know Chris is from the BBC has come through too uh, to speak to us. And I think from a youth programming perspective, uh, specifically music radio, you'll get a lot out of that. So uh, please go and attend that if you can. And I think myself and Steve are going to focus a little more on content. Um, and maybe from my side, a little bit of the how and then a little bit of the what we should be doing, I think. Um, and I want to start, and there's not too many people in the room, I think, who are over the age of 30. So bear with me. Uh, I want you to, if you are over the age of 30, try to remember what it was like dating. Try to remember what it was like meeting your significant other, right? So remember that you had to go to bars, and you had to go to clubs, and you had to meet people at school, or you had to go to coffee shops, or your parents would hook you up together, or you'd have to meet them at school. And then you would have to go out and have lunch or dinner or breakfast with these people. You'd have to interact with these people, right? And then, again, for those of you that are over the age of 30, you'd have to be on the phone with them. And I don't know if you remember those phones where they had cords connected to them. They were amazing things, right? And you had to sit in one place and speak to your significant other over the phone for 20, 30 minutes. And dating was very different back then to the way dating is right now. Welcome the age of dating. Tinder, Grinder, Bumble, Icon. And those over the age of 30, before I get to that, once they were in a relationship or you got into a relationship, let's say your partner pissed you off for a moment, right? You remember how difficult it was to get this partner in the first place, so you forgave them a little more. Because there weren't that many options, right? It was difficult to date. It was difficult to find people. Uh, and so either you saw a lot of unhappy marriages or uh, you saw a lot of people who were happy with each other and stayed together for a long time. Welcome the world of apps and dating. For those of you who don't know how Tinder works, really cool, location-based, you have a bunch of profiles, right? And you go in there, and if you download Tinder right now, I guarantee you in this room, you'd probably find at least two or three people on Tinder in this room already. You wouldn't even have to speak to them face-to-face. -face. So there's a plethora of options available for you on Tinder. And then on Tinder, for those who don't know, uh, over the age of 30, you swipe left if you don't like them, and you swipe right if you like them, and then you can start speaking to them, right? And Grindr, I mean, geez, that's even better. There you just go on, and you log on, and then you find a whole bunch of people who want to meet you uh, in places and do funny things. Uh, so, again, dating has changed entirely because of, A, the amount of people available to you as an individual, and then how we interact with them. And I think radio has done exactly that. Radio has changed the way, or radio has changed in exactly this way. Let's go back, uh, 1982, we had 10 radio stations, 11 radio stations in South Africa. And it was very difficult to change from one radio station to the next, right? So if you're in your car, you've got to tune, and you've got to drive, and you've got to try to tune. Uh, or if you're at home, it's difficult, and then they, half of them are medium wave, which means they sound funny when you drive under bridges, and we don't really like that, and it's kind of difficult to get into them and kind of difficult to find the one that we really like. Uh, how that has changed. Think about the amount of 
radio stations you now have available, think of the amount of platforms that you can get content. And it's very similar to the dating game. So today what I want to do in just 15 minutes before Steve comes up is I want to help you, if I can, uh, swipe left-proof your radio station. Okay, so how are we going to make sure that they swipe our radio station right? And here's a nice little example of how you do that on Tinder. And we're not going to go through all five of these. Uh, but uh, if you are in the Tinder game, then take a look at that. I want to start with the first one that says post clear photos. So on Tinder, we want to make sure that we have a nice clear picture. Like that one's not going to work, right? That young man is going to get swiped left immediately. What does that mean for us radio people? The truth of the matter is, and Steve is going to speak about this a little bit more, is that our attention is dwindling every single day. The average person spends four seconds on a Tinder profile. Four seconds. That's incredible. They look at your picture. If they don't dig what they see, they swipe left. If they do dig what they see, they'll go into your Tinder profile and they'll have a look at all your other pictures. You have four seconds to impress them. On radio, specifically with young people, you probably have between 7 and 14 seconds to impress them. Now more than ever, the hook has become really important. People like Francis Curry have done amazing uh, work on this in, in Europe specifically, and if you get some of his stuff, amazing research on it, where he speaks specifically of how important the hook has become in execution for young people. Because why? There are a whole bunch of options available. So once they come into your radio station, it's vitally important to hook them. And you've got about eight seconds to do that. And let me give you a really nice example. So uh, this is from a trailer from a movie called uh, Gone Girl. They tested it with two separate focus groups. The first focus group, over the age of 29, 70% of the people that left from watching this trailer, who were over the age of 79, said they would watch this movie. Only 20% of people under the age of 25 said they would watch this movie. Only 20%. Watch the trailer. First one. So what have they done? They've simply taken the end, they've put it in the beginning, they've hooked you, and now you're interested in watching that. And that's incredible. Young people were more interested in the first eight seconds of this thing to make a decision that they were going to watch this movie. Uh, the older generation, they were happy. Ah, oh, let's watch it and see at the end. Oh, this looks like quite a lacquer movie. The man killed his wife. Cool, I'll watch it. Yeah, they had to put that in the beginning. Right, so in other words, it's exactly the same as your Tinder profile. If it's not clear, if I don't know, if I'm not going to hook the younger person in, they're not going to be interested. Radio is exactly like that, specifically on our linear medium. So specifically on the FM signal space. Your hooks are going to be the most important part of what you do when you're speaking to young people. And remember when we speak about it as a linear medium, and you all know this, but it is impossible to predict what's coming next because it's a linear medium. Uh, in a YouTube video, you can screen, right? You can go, if you're bored, you can just like fast forward it. In radio, we can't do that. So the moment I'm bored, the moment I switch. And that's why the hook becomes so important. So that's a little bit about the how. Uh, let's move on to the third one. And I quite like this one. Uh, link your Instagram profile. Why are they saying that on Tinder? Because people on Tinder understand that you are more than just your Tinder profile. They want to know a little bit more about you once they've swiped right. And so they'll go onto your Instagram profile. Now, You'll hear a lot about this, and Martin has just spoken about this, and I'm going to give you a really nice example. Uh, Martin spoke about how we should stop seeing ourselves as radio stations. I'll tell you why. 5FM did a, a survey. I'll speak a lot about the survey in the Western Cape. Uh, it, the universe was about 10,000 students big across three separate universities. And one of the questions we asked them, it was a face-to-face -face survey, one of the questions we asked them is, 5FM is, just describe it for us. 
We had two separate groups. We had students mostly under the age of 25, and then we had lecturers and staff over the age of 30. What did they say 5FM is? The students said loud. It's the first way they described 5FM. The majority of them described it as an emotion, as a thing, as something that I can think and hold, something intangible, right? What did older people describe 5FM as? A radio station. See, the truth is, they don't see you as a radio station anymore. They simply don't. It's ontological, to be perfectly honest. It's in the very nature of your being that you're not a radio station anymore. You are a content hub that distributes content on a whole bunch of different places. And obviously, the FM signal being one of them, and then anywhere else where they are. See, that Instagram could have changed. That can be whatever it is. All they want out of Instagram is what's on Instagram, right? So when he's saying link your Instagram profile, I reckon in 10 years' time, he's going to say something different. He's going to say link your, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's going to come. But Instagram is a place in which we push content out, a whole bunch of pretty pictures about ourselves, and we tell them how beautiful we are so that we can fall in love uh, with that particular person. So as cool as that is, we all know that, right? Let's be honest, if we've been to any radio days anywhere in the world, we'd know, we all know this. My question is, what do we put on our Instagram profile? What do we as radio stations do? Is there, is there someone that's telling us what to put on the stuff? Like, what are, what are young people like? What do they want? Uh, five Nordic countries got together in 2010, and they asked exactly the same question. They called it the Next Generation Study. It was a five-year study, and it came out with four things, four what's that we should be talking about to young people. What we then did is because you don't want to take research from another country and try to plug it into your own country. So we used the Dot Jam survey with a much smaller universe of only 10,000 people, uh, but we wanted to do a needs analysis to see what came out of that. And let's compare these two and let's see if we can uh, try to see how we fill up our Instagram profile. Uh, just sorry, I, I, I kind of skipped that, but that's really interesting. So just look at that. Students find the majority of people would say 5FM is loud, 5FM is then fun, 5FM is Roger Good. That's our breakfast show host. So we're doing well there. And and 12% of them would say we're a radio station. Uh, the very opposite is true for the older generation. 42% uh, are saying that we're a, a radio station, then we're the music, then we're loud, then we're fun. Uh, let's move on to the what just quickly. Right, so the Nordic study proved that young people use media for competency. They use media to get better at stuff. They want to learn in an informal way. In the South African context, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, a major... One of probably the biggest thing that they told us they use us for is I want to learn stuff from you in a very informal way. And let's use a nice example. We all know Suzelle DIY, right? Suzelle DIY is our biggest YouTube uh, sensation in this country. What does she does? She teaches you stuff. She teaches you how to do stuff in a very informal, fun way, but DIY works. Five of them tried this last year. What we did was we developed a documentary series called Making the Weekenders. It was a 12-part documentary series. It was a visual documentary series that then was pushed through from the linear platform onto our other platforms. Uh, hugely successful. Uh, over 20 million views across the other platforms. Uh, and what the YouTube series was about was how to become a 5FM DJ. That's really what it was about. It was a DIY of how to become a DJ. So this works really well. Uh, the next thing young people want is autonomy. They want to learn how to become fully functioning adults. Uh, self uh, the desire to be self-directed comes out really strongly. 
within the South African context, very much so. It was a little different. They used the words how to interact and function in the real world. And what's really interesting is we asked them about their favorite YouTube stars and about their favorite radio presenters. And a lot of what came out was we see them as our older brother uh, or our older sister. And they teach us how to interact with the world. So that's a really important part of your content profile is autonomy and how to interact and function uh, in the real world. The next one, of course, and I think this is throughout the ages, relationships. To mediate relationships, both platonic and sexual. That came out really strongly within the South African context, very much so. Uh, and then the final one is really pleasure, right? Play, gaming, mood management, uh, arousal slightly more extreme than it used to be. I think because we've got access to a whole bunch of more extreme stuff. Within the South African context, it was slightly different. The answer was just to make me feel good. Just to make me feel good. That's why I use these things. And I think that's why CHR stations have still been successful. Uh, there are CHR stations around the world, and I mean Radio 1 is one of them, that has done amazing stuff on so many different of their, uh, so many platforms. I think I read the other day of over a billion views uh, on, on some of their YouTube stuff. Just incredible. Uh, and because they also make people feel good. You know, it's, it's, it's an upbeat thing, CHR stuff, so it makes them feel good. So what are we saying here? You can have a whole bunch of these other platforms that must be available to you and that you can distribute your content on. If your content is not teaching them something, does not show for the desire of self-direction, doesn't make them feel good, and does not address relationships, you're probably not speaking to young people in the right way. If you can find ways to do that, then you're pretty, pretty much good to go. Uh, cool, that's it from my side. We'll now hear from Steve, and then we'll take some questions and answers after that. By the way, I'm not on Tinder, so stop looking. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Think. Would you hook us up here, brother? Thank you. You're in charge. Cheers. I'll help you. Yes, Steve. Thank you. Who's here that I know? That's fine. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Good. Audio's in, check. Okay, PowerPoint's crashed. We'll see how well this works. Hopefully it'll reset itself shortly. Um, okay, so um, what I'm going to talk about today is how the BBC has developed a new audio product for young audiences around the world. The product I'm talking about is called BBC Minute. Be interested to know if anyone's heard it at all. Anyone? Just put your hand up if you heard it. Okay. Oh, good. Which station's it on here? Correct. Good. A little bit of audience research there. So what I'm going to talk about is um, how we developed it and why we have based its development on audience research. And I just want to point out that my Twitter handle is smartin. I put that up front so that you can tweet many times during the session. Mention me, and I will retweet you later if you say nice things. That's a promise. So why research? Well, it is really easy, 
even in the media, even when we are surrounded by audience insights, to live in a bubble. Here's a really interesting study here uh, conducted uh, with a sample of normal people and a sample of advertising people. And the question that was asked here was, how many minutes per day do you think people watch subscription video on demand? So that's Amazon, Netflix, Showmax, those, those pay services. And the survey talked to normal people and people in advertising. Uh, and ad people, they may not be normal, but you'd think they'd be pretty smart. You'd think they'd have their finger on the pulse of society because they are people who are daily immersed in market data and insights. So here's what they said. Ad people's self-estimate of how many minutes per day they use subscription video on, on demand, 50 minutes. Normal people's self-estimate of how many minutes they used, just over half an hour, 32 minutes. Then the survey asked ad people, people in advertising, anyone in advertising here? No, okay, keeping a low profile. Uh, asked ad people, how many minutes do you think normal people use subscription on demand video? And they said about one hour and 24 minutes. What do you think the actual answer is? How many hours and minutes do you think normal people, on average, use subscription video on demand? Any guess? Two hours. Do you think it's going to be higher than this chart? Thank goodness I've left all that space up there. <laughs> Any other suggestions? Half an hour. Okay, right. here's the big reveal. Stand by. The actual answer is 11 minutes. So this gap between the assumption of advertising people that normal people use an hour and 24 a day and the real data of 11 minutes is the bubble. That is the disconnect between those people in advertising and the lives of real people. And the only way to burst that bubble is research. So when we wanted to develop uh, new content for young audiences at the BBC, we started with research to find out what were the audience insights that would uh, inspire the content and what was happening in the markets that would enable that to succeed. So I'm going to share some of that with you now. Uh, and uh, for a start, I just wanted to talk about the young world because we were pretty focused on providing a service for the young audiences around the world that the BBC believed were being underserved by us. So what is the young world? Well, this is, this is where I live, where my family is. Uh, and what percentage do you think of the UK population is, let's say, 15 to 34? Let's define that as young. What percentage, roughly? Grant, Grant doesn't even want to hazard a guess. Who's more brave than Grant? 40%, okay, right, the correct answer is 31%, not bad there. It's about 16.3 million people. Let's go around to the other side of the world, to uh, Indonesia. Uh, what, uh, what percentage of Indonesia's population is 15 to 34? Around 55, not bad, 45, yeah, but it's about half the population there. 
heading that way.、Um, bit closer to home here. Which country is that? Kenya, correct.、Um, what percentage of the population there is 15 to 34? Six, did you say 60? 61% is the right answer. Congratulations. So, the insight for us there is there s many countries much younger than our own in many cases.、Uh, and we identified a whole list of countries that were younger than ours that, that had English speaking、uh, populations and had rapidly moving media markets.、Uh, and for us at the BBC, it was those younger countries that were at the c e n t e r of the research we were doing for a new. Bulletin service, a new news service. And at this stage, we didn't know that it was going to be BBC Minute. That came from the research. We just knew that there was a news need、uh, among this group and we wanted to find out what it was. So let's find out about young people.、Uh, if you ask a stock image library what young people look like, that's the answer.、Um, but what are they really like? Well, as a first step, we asked a bunch of established news consumers, older people, at what age they first developed their interest in world news. And the answer was surprising. Most of them, 61% of them, said younger than 18 was the age they first got interested in world news. But today's young people have a different expectation to those of their parents. Our research showed they expect everything to be available now. 70% of young people in our survey said they were impatient. That was the word they used to describe themselves impatient people. So we knew that any news service designed for them. Was going to be, have to be fast and updated frequently.、Uh, and indeed, Microsoft discovered that attention spans are falling, as Grant showed you this data,、uh, from 12 seconds to、uh, 8 seconds between 2010 and 2015. I'm glad we're drawing down on the same data sets, Grant. It must be exactly true.、Uh, and what is that now lower than? The attention of people, young people, is now lower than the attention of which animal? The goldfish, exactly. So, Microsoft research, don't question it. And 72% of 18 to 25s, they find, I love this, they say they find it easier to communicate emotion with emojis than with the written word. That is shocking, isn't it? Or as young people say, Uh, 72% of young people believe they are like their peers around the world. They've got a really global outlook. They love the same brands, the same personalities, and they share many of the same cultural reference points. There's never been a generation open to interesting global news stories. And 65% say they're more like young people in other countries than older people in their own. 52% say they have friends in other countries, whether that's real friends they've met or Facebook friends, it's hard to know. But they agree that they are global citizens. So we're seeing a picture of young people having this really dramatically、uh, broader global outlook, much more so、uh, than their parents. You remember, I was here a couple of years ago, and I remember putting up, as a little bit of research, in this room,、uh, two pictures. One was Obama and one was Jacob Zuma. And I asked you which was the most interesting president. And most people in this room said, which one? 
Obama at that time. Yeah.、Um, so further research led us to identify different news needs for young people, and、um, we've we've created a very typical BBC graphic here.、Uh, we've classified the news needs of young people as either functional news needs, like I want to be updated, want a bit of perspective, keep me on trend. So helping to avoid the fear of missing out, and then the emotional news needs over here. People want to be inspired. They'd like to be amused and educated. So this isn't data. This is insight, and it's a highly valuable springboard for the creative process. We simplified that using the research we did with young people around the world, down to three distinct news needs. So on the surface. Our respondents said that they wanted to be in the loop. They needed so we knew we we needed a news product that kept people、uh, in the loop and covered a lot of ground fast, so that we could demonstrate that to that young audience they weren't missing anything. More deeply, they were keen to news、uh, BBC news stories socially. So that's why we make BBC Minute full of shareable stories, talkable stories that that fuel that social conversation. And then, deepest of all, this group says that they they want there's to be some solid truth behind the stories,、uh, and uh, and to, to know that there is a high standard of reliability. And this is interesting because we were doing this we were doing this research a couple of years ago before the whole fake news phenomenon、uh, blew up, and we're seeing here that it's it's really playing to to people's deep、uh, concerns. And as the world's most trusted news broadcaster, I think the BBC has a role to play there. So our studies also show that some genres of news appeal much more to young people than others: business, health, and positive news stories、uh, that appeal to a sense of optimism. They're all winners in this sample from Nigeria and Kenya. Politics, and perhaps surprisingly, celebrity gossip, much less so. Again, that surprised us. And here's a clue about the popularity of business stories. According to PMB Paribas, today's young people start thinking about entrepreneurship early, and they try many more ventures than their predecessors. So the baby boomer generation for businesses, the millennialpreneurs, word of the day, eight. And the appeal of those positive, good news stories seems strongest in the youngest countries. Not, you'll notice, in Germany, where misery appears to rule. <laughs>、uh, young people say they want people on the radio that they can relate to. So, for BBC Minute, we we recruited a diverse、uh, global team of journalists, people who understand young audiences, and we've created a sound that is conversational and fun. And I've got an audio clip to play right now. Uh, so that's a typical BBC minute. It's a sound that's conversational and fun. A bunch of stories in there to appeal to young audiences around the world. But faced with serious news, BBC minute sobers up fast. Let's start this BBC minute in Garissa. It's a town in Kenya, and it's a scene of a siege where masked gunmen have stormed a university campus. BBC minute. 
So how did we、uh, decide to help audiences hear it? Well, most of our target audience say they don't habitually go to international news providers, so we had to bring BBC Minute to them. So my team and I we license BBC Minute to radio stations around the world that want to appeal more deeply to the interests of young audiences. The、uh, BBC Minute is now on. Uh, major stations across the youngest parts of the planet. We make 48 editions every day, seven days a week, and BBC Minutes now reaching something around 10 or 11 or 12 million listeners a week. It's really hard to measure reach in some of these markets,、uh, but that's our best estimate. And we make a fresh edition every half hour. And the clients that、uh, buy this from us, they say that the bulletin helps their listeners stay up to date. And it pro also provides talking topics for their DJs, and because we guarantee to cover the major breaking world news stories, it means that the stations that broadcast this can focus their own journalists much more strongly on local news, where perhaps they are competing with the next station up the dial. Audiences seem to like it.、Uh, there's some tweets、uh, from people who have noticed it and seem to enjoy it as well. And the final thing I just wanted to say is about the development process here. Um, normally, when we develop a show or we do an event in radio, we come up with a concept. We develop that concept creatively in the station. We launch it, and then we have a party. But with this, we've taken、uh, we've taken a lead from agile development in the digital world, and we've got a development cycle. So we we started here with the research, we designed the product, we built it. And then we released it, and the first time we released it, it really was what you might call minimum viable product. We launched only 12 hours a day.、Uh, we launched on a very small number of radio stations, but we did that so that we could gain extra access to research and use that second layer of research to redesign, rebuild, and re-release. And it was that iterative process over a number of cycles and uh, uh, about 18 months worth of development that led to. Uh, the BBC Minute that you you hear today, and I think that's how content development is moving now, away from that linear、uh, process towards a much more iterative, continuous development cycle, and that's important if the market is that com、uh, co uh, competitive and cluttered because you've got to cut through and you've got to listen to the audience. So my bi three big takeouts for you today: use research to burst your personal bubble. Ask questions that don't just give you data, but also uncover real human insights. What is behind that data? What is driving people? What are their functional and emotional needs from the content you can create? And then try a development cycle, so you keep improving every time. Don't just rely on the traditional linear process. There's my contact details if anyone wants to be in touch. And I think Grant and I. Are going to get on the mics and answer questions now. Thank you. Cool. We'll just we'll we'll go ahead. Cool. Are there any questions? Lekker. Um, yeah, I don't think I need this, but if I could pose this one to Steve,、uh, why did you only select a very limited amount of、um, stations for the BBC Minute? I mean, surely coverage is is king. If you had more stations doing it, we want the right radio stations. So in any market,、um, we 
we pick the stations that have got the greatest uh, audience connection with the young target. So, for example, in this market, YFM has got a really strong connection with young audiences. It's a, uh, a station with personality and music, and it also takes its news commitment very seriously. And with BBC Minute, it's now been able to focus its own news much more strongly locally. And also, because uh, YFM broadcasts BBC Minute every half hour, 24 hours a day, it makes sense just to license to one station in this market so that the, the messaging can be really clear. Your point, Grant, clarity. If you want to hear BBC Minute, it's on this station. And the marketing messages behind content have to be really clear. If it's on a whole load of different stations at different times, it's just a mess and it's hard to uh, promote a, a marketing message that, that cuts through. Also, a question for you, Steve. I'd like to find out, uh, when you initially introduced the product, was it for sale or did you kind of like send it out to see if people would be receptive to it because you're actually providing it to youth stations that some of them don't really have as much money, uh, especially in the continent? Yeah, I mean, so uh, the, the BBC does sell its content and the stations that took it up front, if they're commercial radio stations and they're able to sell advertising around it and turn a profit from the product, then you know, clearly it's appropriate to pay a fee. There are some countries where I would never consider charging uh, money for BBC News, where the BBC performs a much uh, a more important role, almost in many cases, as a surrogate public broadcaster, because there are no other sources of trusted news in the countries. That's a role that the BBC has played in uh, Sierra Leone for many years. It's a role we play in Somalia as well. Uh, and it's a role that we play in some other parts of Francophone and Africa and in Hausa-speaking West Africa, where BBC News is a lifeline service then as a public service broadcaster, we wouldn't charge money for that content. But in a commercial environment, when it helps a commercial radio station uh, define its identity and build its presence, then yes, we would sell that. And to, to your point about when we launched the program, we talked to the key launch partners many months before the product launched so that we could gauge some early insights to test some of our research against what their understanding was of their audience, so that we had a small number of committed partners from day one, and it was on that basis that we built it. Uh, hi. Oh, question for Grant. Uh, well, I'm not actually sure who will can, uh, can answer this, but uh, regarding the BBC Minute, um, if um, a South African or African um, uh, producer would like to create something similar, would you recommend it, and what advice would you give them in, in order to create a format for South Africans or Africans? Well, uh, it's interesting, actually, because uh, we heard some copycat bulletins when we were doing some research back in London uh, from different radio stations. Look, I think that start, my tip is start with the audience, always. You know, if, if, you are, if you have a, a, any public service ethic in you, and even if you are in a purely commercial environment, you've got to look after the interests of the audience first. So start with research, understand what it is your audience needs, see what's out there in the market already, and if it doesn't exist already and you can create something uh, that is uh, ideal for your, your audience, then yeah, of course, do so. But I would uh, you know, start with, always start with the audience because if you can't serve the audience, it will fail. 
I think to add on to that, Martin made a very good point. Remember that you have access to an audience already. Uh, if you are a young producer, you have access to your Facebook audience, uh, your Twitter audience, and your family's Facebook audience, and their Twitter audience. If you want to try something, test it first. Test it on the already made audience. Ask them the questions, and then you can begin to make. I meet a lot of young people who uh, keep on wanting to be in radio, and, and the reality is you've got an audience already. Show us how you're utilizing that audience. Show us how you're creating for that audience. And, and then we can begin to speak about using it on different platforms. And I think that's exactly to the point, mm. is test your stuff with the very people who you interact with every day. See how it works. And slowly you, slowly you begin to create something that could possibly work for you and the broader audience that you're interested in. <clears throat> Last question. Cool. Who's it going to be for? Let's hope it's you. Okay. Uh, this is a question for Grant. Grant, <laughs> um, because a lot of young people right now are not just consumers, but they're also content creators because of social media. So pretty much everyone can put stuff out there. And the first thing p young people do when they wake up is go on Twitter, see what's going on. They can find almost everything on there. Do you find a lot of uh, radio stations and radio people who, who you know, broadcast to younger people very lazy and pretty much sort of copying and, t and pasting from what young people are already saying? And the thing about young people is that uh, if, if I already know that information why do I need to share it again on radio so is there a different way in which uh, radio stations can still talk about the things that are relevant to young people right now but also sort of like creating the content to give either additional information or more interesting facts about what people are already speaking about yeah I think it's it's interesting because I think I, I, I read another article coming out of the BBC the other day which spoke about how difficult it was to find young radio people uh, simply because YouTube stars have killed the radio star, you know, to some extent. And I think you're right. There's, uh, we've all, to some extent, become little broadcasters on our own, right? Um, to answer your question, I think the key, and I, I use this analogy all the time with young people who want to make radio, and there's a lot of you in the room. Imagine yourself as a bucket. And imagine going to a program manager or director, and they're going to throw your bucket out on the table. And if it's not going to paint a different picture to everybody else's bucket, then we're not going to want to give you a place in which to speak about those things that you want to speak about, right? And I know that sounds kind of silly, but, but bear with me now. So imagine yourself as a bucket, and everything that gets put in then, once I throw it out, paints a particular picture. And a particular picture that is always going to be intriguing, emotive, great storytelling, and all those traditional things which made radio people great. It's up to you, as someone who wants to become a great radio person, to fill that bucket with a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you, you will very rarely find a radio person that thinks, or a really good radio person, that thinks like everybody else. They simply don't. Uh, they're pretty crazy because their bucket is full with a whole bunch of stuff that when they throw it out on the table, it comes out looking a little bit different to everybody else's bucket. And that's the key. To differentiate yourself, make damn sure uh, that that bucket of yours is filled with a whole bunch of experience, a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of knowledge, a whole bunch of, of ways of seeing and interacting with the world. Because then when you throw it out, what comes out of that is unique content, I guarantee you. Finally, for me, there's more from the BBC about serving young audiences tomorrow morning in Stream 1. My BBC colleague, Chris Price, will be here uh, talking about BBC Radio 1 and BBC Radio 1 Extra, our youth music and entertainment-led stations based in the UK. 
Thank you. Forward promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I think we can give them another round of applause. Okay. All right, so as I've mentioned, there's a tea break now for 10 minutes. Then uh, speaking of youth, the next session that's going to be here is going to be how to make better campus content at 4 o'clock.